Welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Monica, daughter of Persephone. This week we're talking about House of Hades, chapters 41 through 48. We made it to episode 69. Nice. I love that that's a note for you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited and I decided I'm going to title this episode Nice. Nice. I don't care what jokes we make. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. It's just going to be nice. Nice. (laughs) Nice. 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 Amazing. I really appreciate it. I wish this was the one with Clintus. He is mentioned, (laughs) but... (laughs) Snorting fully into the microphone. (laughs) We won't have this occasion until we make it to episode 420. <laughs> We're discussing, like, the last Nico Will book, because somehow there's, like, five of them. <laughs> God, how old will we be if I don't want to talk episode about that. 420? How old are we going to be for the show? I mean, the, sh- um, the first se- season will probably come out in the next, like, you know, before we're 30, but after that... <laughs> I think they're slated. They're trying to get the ne- the season out next summer or next fall. Really? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. They they do decent good, good turnaround if they're filming right now and they will go into post, yeah. especially with the yeah. money that they have. I mean, I could be wrong. They might be slated for 2024 instead, but yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing it'll probably be like my guess is like later 2023, like fall or Yeah. Yeah, fall probably. Oh god, what if you have children? Oh like, god! When you were doing, we're doing this podcast, and Nico's I'm like, and now and like my guest star Annabeth, <laughs> my <laughs> child, my child Annabeth. Oh god! <laughs> I'll be like, this is Annabeth Persephone. <laughs> <laughs> That's like extra embarrassing. It would be one thing if that was like a secret, you know, like yeah. you secretly loved these books as a child. You named your daughter, and it's cute. Like, you have a whole podcast dedicated to it, and we have, no. like, close to, like, it's not like cute a thousand anymore. followers on Instagram. It's really embarrassing. Yeah. I will not name a child Annabeth. <laughs> Darn, there goes that. I know. Well, there goes that ship, but that ship's gone. <laughs> All right, well, to focus on episode 69, nice. we're going to be talking about Piper using the power of love, much to Aaron's chagrin, <laughs> and in order to get away from an old enemy. And meanwhile, down in Tartarus, Percy and Annabeth meet misery. Once every again, time, we're like, Percy and Annabeth are having a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> that's like literally the entire plot of this book. But every time I read... Um, the Goddess of Misery or Misery, the stupid Maroon 5 song. Just that first line, like, I am in misery, but, like, in a very, like, angry way rather than in a musical way, just plays in my head, and I'm like, please stop. Mm, I like that. It's a good I'm going to hear device. that now, too. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it's like, anytime I mention Hercules, I just hear the muses in the Disney movie singing his name. At least it's pleasant. (laughs) Yeah, that is. All right. Piper, chapters 41 through 44. Okay, two days away from Split, everything on the boat is freezing and covered in ice. And that's not normal because they're in the Mediterranean (laughs) Sea, which is known for being warm. And it's also July. 
Um, they all think it's because of the scepter that Nico got because it like emanates death. But Piper isn't sure. But she doesn't speak up. Oh, Piper. She really needs to trust her instincts here. Like reading this, I, I even the first time I, read, I guess I read this as an adult, though, I don't know what my child brain would have done. But I was like, that's Kione. And then they're like, oh, we don't know 100%. what this is. It's Nico's scepter. Also because, like, yeah, like, his scepter emanates death, but wouldn't it be foggy and more grunge rather than icy Elsa vibes? Also, like, Nico just emanates death. I know. Like, maybe it's Nico. Maybe it's Nico. They're all yeah. like, Nico, get off this boat. <laughs> she also notices that Jason and Nico, speaking of Nico, have been really weird lately. And she <laughs> knows that something happened between them in Split, but she doesn't know what. <laughs> it's so funny. And she notices she is like a good character for being very observant of the others, but it's often at the cost of herself not having a personality for a lot of the yeah. series but she, she doesn't notices- act on it she notices yeah. it but she never mm-hmm. acts on anything that goes on in her mind which is really frustrating to read yeah she's very much an observer narrator and she sees she notes that nico seems really nervous and jason overly concerned about nico <laughs> and is just like nobody touched nico <laughs> he's my child don't talk bad about him which is really pure. It's very sweet. It is like nice that, you know, this this uh kind of boring himbo who didn't know gay people existed, learned that gay people existed and immediately was like, I must protect him. It's nice. Yeah, I mean that's like the proper use of uh, himbo rather than like I him agree. having to come to terms with the fact that gay people exist and how that affects him. He's immediately yeah. like, This is my baby. Yeah, and he won't tell anyone. Like, Piper is even, like, Jason won't tell me what happened and split, which is nice. Good job, Jason. You mm-hmm. get points this episode. For now. But, um, Leo, Jason, and Piper, our old trio from The Lost Hero, end up chatting about the prophecy while everyone else is, like, below decks. I don't- they're- because Hazel threw up and they're all helping Hazel because of her seasickness. And Piper brings up our favorite giant Clitus, who's cloaked in darkness, <laughs> and how she keeps seeing in her visions that despite his weakness being fire, he's able to snuff it out wherever he goes. And she worries, and the visions are ba- are in her knife. Yeah, I feel like I forgot knife. that her magic knife. Dagger thing. Yeah. 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 And um, she worries that they won't be able to to defeat Clitus with Leo's powers. <laughs> Leo won't be able to defeat him. <laughs> Maybe if he tries a bit harder. I can't wait for their battle. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember how it goes. the whole time. He'll yeah. be like, and then Leo hits Clitus. <laughs> <laughs> he loses Clitus for a <laughs> He's cloaked in darkness. Oh, we're the worst. Continue. Yes. Because of the line, to storm or fire, the world must fall, Piper's been hyperfixating on this, she tells Jason and Leo that she thinks this means that the two of them play an even more important part. And when it says the world, it literally means Gaia as an Earth world. She's fixated on the word or, though. She thinks that only one of them can succeed and then is worried, therefore, the other one will die, which seems like a big jump to make. And mm-hmm. thinks that this death will happen when Leo's fighting Clitus. 
<laughs> and the line, an oath to keep with a final breath, final breath implying that someone dies on the quest, she fears that in order for them to defeat Gaia, one of those two boys must die. Chapter 42. The boys try to make light of this insight that Piper has. <laughs> God, like, I hate Whoa. men. <laughs> One of us die never. It's crazy that Piper has opinions and fears and worries. Let's make fun of her for it. <laughs> We're fine. We're fine. That's me, honestly, though. As I make fun of them for doing that, that is 100% me. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, same. Mm -hmm. They point out that Percy can also make storms, and Jason says, which I very much agree with him on this, that they're just going to drive themselves crazy trying to figure out the prophecy. Yeah. Which I'm like, isn't that the whole, like, lesson from every book that we've had a prophecy in, is that it doesn't, it's not ever how they interpret it initially. Yeah, and also, like, Greek yeah. mythology, in a nutshell, so you can't run away from your prophecy, so you might as well just yeah. let it happen. There's no point yeah. in trying to figure it out. Yeah, I think Piper's just, like, being anxious and is like, guys, what if someone dies? Piper then notices the smell in the air and how cold it keeps getting and how familiar the smell is. Like, I guess it's like a special ice. Mm. And she tells Leo to sound the alarm and go get Greek fire and asks Jason to call the warm southerly winds. The boys are a little slow on the uptake, of course, and they aren't sure who this is, even though Leo definitely like constantly dreams about this villain. <laughs> he was in love with her for a minute, but okay. Yeah, immediately has forgotten her. He should know the smell anywhere. <laughs> Jason then gets frozen mid-action, oh of course, and a cloud of wind swirls around Leo and lifts him up and then yeets him away into the sky. Standing amidships is a girl in a flowing dress of white silk, her dark hair pinned back with diamonds. It's our old friend Kione. Chapter 43. Kione has also brought along her dumb brothers, Cal, who was the himbo jock, like jock, likes hockey one, hmm. and Zethis, who was the disco douchebag who was also in love with Piper. Oh, yeah. That's their vibes. It turns out that Boreas, who was helpful to them before, became incapacitated when he started warring with his Roman side and left Kione in charge. She has ordered on his behalf that the forces of the North Wind support King Porphyrion and Gaia. They believe that once Gaia awakens, they can help remake the world. The only reason that they left Piper unfrozen on this ship, because everyone else below decks has presumably been frozen right now, is because Zethus wants to marry her, and also they need someone to listen to their monologue, of naturally. Course. Yeah. And the only reason, the reason they yeeted Leo away instead of just freezing him is because he offended Kione last time they fought at the end of The Lost Hero when he, like, tried to kill her. Piper is able to charm speak the boys pretty easily into letting Jason go, but Keone just refreezes him, and I'm like, <laughs> is getting frozen the new getting hit in the head with a brick? This Apparently. Jason's constantly. health. I'm concerned. <laughs> Genuinely, the amount of concussions, he's like lost his memory and regained it. He's fallen from the sky so many times. Poor She's boy. worried about one of them dying. Maybe she should <laughs> stop letting Jason get hit in the head and frozen. That's how he's going to go. <laughs> the fifth book is just Jason dying from pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm so cold. <laughs> oh, Jason. Kione tells Piper when she asks where Leo went that she sent Leo away to a place he can never return from. 
Piper scans the deck for some way to get out of this. She spies Festus, who can blow some serious fire, as she says, but knows he's currently deactivated and she doesn't know how to use the consoles like Leo does. She asks herself what Annabeth would do and she thinks delay. Annabeth always loves to stall. She really does. It's like in <laughs> the Spongebob movie when Mindy, the mermaid child, is like, I'm not stalling <laughs> like a deep cut reference i don't remember the spongebob movie as well as you do apparently i watched that movie a lot we talked about it because it's the odyssey right yes, yes it is the odyssey discussed that earlier yeah 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 full circle <laughs> back to the we're all back roads. spongebob <laughs> all roads point to the spongebob movie <laughs> So Piper goads the villains into talking more, which isn't hard because they love to talk about their plans. I get mm. the feeling like nobody listens to them. Like they just need someone to tell this to. God, then get a therapist. Why are you bothering yeah. us about it? Yeah. I don't know. It's their villain therapy. <gasps> I don't think so. And she's friends. She also gets her hair done with Brittany. <gasps> and they bitch about the villains together. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because, you know, hairstylists can be therapists, or they say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I do always get in depth anytime I get my hair done. Oh, I don't. Wait, they really ask me all about my life, and I'm always like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the one time I'm actually sitting in silence is when I get my hair cut. <laughs> Kione tells Piper that to be sure she's out of their way, they have a for her, which will <laughs> release wind again back to the Spongebob movie in the bag of winds. <laughs> in the bag of winds. <laughs> and it will send them very off course. Kione plans to take all of her frozen friends for her personal statue collection and leave Piper adrift at sea. And then Zethus will later come back and marry her. First they have to punish her with being lost and then with marriage to this disco man. <laughs> Which is insane because you think about it logically. Piper has the ability to charm speak and we know mm -hmm. that she can do it well. And this man is still like, I will marry her and we will have a harmonious time and she won't manipulate me into doing anything. It'll be great. Yeah. And Piper should just say yes and suddenly become queen of the, the winds. It's easy. <laughs> It's easy. It's easy. All you have to do is be and lost at sea all her for a while. Let all her it's friends die. the price you pay for power, Erin. Oh my god. This is Dark Piper. <laughs> dark Piper. Speaking of Dark Percy, this is Dark Piper. <laughs> Piper recognizes that everything Kione's saying is to piss her off. And so she maintains her composure because she doesn't want to do what Kione wants her to do, which is get mad. And so she laughs in Kione's face. She tells them, you don't know my secret, do you? Which is a surefire way to pique a villain's interest. Kione demands that she show them her secret, so Piper tells them to follow her. That's so cool. You tell a five-year-old to get them to stop having a yeah. tantrum. You're like, well, then you don't get the secret present I have for you. That was it, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Chapter 44. Piper is ready to use her charm speak and thinks about Hazel's experience with the mist and mentions that they had like some nice girl bonding. Off screen. 
Yeah, she's like, yeah. we had, we get hung out and like talked about our lives. And I'm like, this feels like Rick is trying to be like, what do girls do at sleepovers? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty accurate to be That's fair. accurate. Yeah. yeah. Cry. <laughs> yeah. Cry and do and eat uncomfortable so much sugar games. Foods. Yeah. And then yeah. someone brings up Never Have I Ever oh, and God. the night devolves. <laughs> So Piper is thinking about how charm speak is similar to what Hazel said about the mist. You can't easily charm speak people into doing the opposite of what they want. Instead, it's a lot easier to push them to do the things that they think that they want. So she leads Kione and the boys. What? This is, this is like so like something you put on LinkedIn for like how I learned about <laughs> sales. <laughs> it's the LinkedIn post. Yeah. You can't push people to do the things they think they want. Instead, you have to lead them towards it. Usher them towards what they already know they need. You just have to uncover it for them. This is how I did in five easy steps. And there's like a picture of a flower for some reason. And then and random it has 7,000 likes on yes. it. Random words are in all caps. Yeah. It's like success. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> oh, no. She leads Kione and the boys toward the prow of the ship and to the figurehead of Festus. She tells them that Festus is more than a machine and is actually a living creature. She pretty easily charm speaks the boys into putting the wind bomb down and watching her reveal the secret, which infuriates Kione. She wills all her confidence into her voice and charm speaks Festus, the machine, saying, He's alive. He's my friend, and when his friends are in trouble, especially Leo, he can wake up on his own. The metal skin of the dragon grows warm under her skin, and then it turns its head on the Boreads and vaporizes the boys. Piper charges at Kione herself. Kione freezes her wrist mid-swing and tells her, A child of Aphrodite, you are nothing, which fills Piper's chest, not with anger or fear, but with love. She defeats it. With the power of love for the dragon, Jason and Leo and her other friends, etc., etc., etc. I know she's like, and the rest of them. <laughs> the squints at her hand. Um, Annabelle, Frank, Frank, Cheerio, yeah, Cheerio, oh, the goat, the goat. <laughs> Ooh. My goth son I've adopted. <laughs> yeah, they've all actually adopted me for now. Jason yeah. especially. Yeah. He's taking over for Percy and Annabeth. So can you explain a little bit deeper? So like, what is the chemical energy? What is, how is, he, is it like, <laughs> how does it melt ice? Aaron? Not to do this again, but I'm going to reference the Santa Claus 3. <laughs> The little girl hugs Martin Short as Jack Frost and he melts into just Martin Short? Man? I don't know. He's not Jack Frost anymore. Just Jack. Oh my god. Rick That's stole this from the Santa Claus 3. And <laughs> to be Santa fair, Claus. that's also what happens in Frozen, right? The power of oh, love yeah. melts oh. some ice. Now that's apparently cute. But this is stupid. I love yeah. how in the list it's number one, the dragon, number two, Jason, number three, Leo. <laughs> I mean, the dragon, I, I understand that priority. It's not he even alive. Them. It's not, 
it is alive now. She made it alive. <laughs> With the power of love. With the power of love. I hate it, but also it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, it's such a cop out. I know. I think if it was like at the end of a novel, it would be a little more like it feels like it's supposed to be Piper's main lesson, right? Is to learn mm. that being a child of the love goddess is a power and is powerful. And it feels like she's been she learns the same lesson every book. Every couple chapters, honestly. Yeah, and yeah. then she and the next time we see her, because it, it goes so long without seeing some of these narrators, she's still struggling with that insecurity, which, like, I get is going to be something she's working through. But she'll have these big moments where she's like, I defeated with love. And then and the next time we see her, she's like, I'm such a lame child of a god. I'm a child yeah. of the lame god. Ever heard of lame? <laughs> which is, like, fine in real life the people go through phases but when yeah. you are a character in a book i expect more for to be written <laughs> about you like please learn from your past why else did i read all of that then yeah 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 but anyway <laughs> she melts the ice on her blade and her wrist because of the power of love she dives her dagger into kiwane's chest collapses That's not very lovely of her <laughs> No, it's not. Yeah. That's what we do with love, we murder. <laughs> <laughs> and then she dives for the bomb, which is about to explode. Her fingers close around it just as the ice shatters and the winds explode. Which I don't remember how they get- I'm- I don't know how they get out of a, a wind bomb. I don't remember that, so. Mm. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so, my notes on this. My first note, I was like, is Keone like a wing woman? She's sending Leo to Calypso and says a place he can't return from. But like, if he can't leave, that means he falls in love. Is she trying to get him laid? Well, maybe she was like, I don't want him on my back anymore. <laughs> like, I'm tired of him being into me, so at least he can be into Calypso and I think she's believing that Calypso would never fall in love with him so therefore mm. he'd be stuck on that island forever and they can just torture each other in That's circles. That's kind of funny. Yeah. It is kind of funny. It's quite diabolical. Yeah. That is kind of funny. I feel like Leo's like a wind-up car. Like she just has to send him towards a different woman. <laughs> just turn his direction a little bit. He'll still keep going. Yeah. <laughs> oh Leo. Oh Leo. I thought that was funny, though. I also found it really funny that Hazel, Frank, and Nika are just chilling below decks this whole time. I know they're frozen, but they're just- they have no idea what's happening up there. No. They're gonna come back out and this kid's gonna bomb have exploded. Yeah. What if, like, Hazel is, like, mid-vomit and- <gasps> There's frozen, frozen vomit. Frozen vomit. Ew. I don't like that thought. Mm-mm. Retract it. <laughs> I do like that Piper is asks herself what Annabeth would do, but then does end up doing what Piper would do. And I feel like Piper needs more of that characterization of her using the fact that people underestimate her to defeat them. I think that she is always like, I don't have powers. I have to think of what all my friends would do. And then realizes I have my own thing to do and I want her to just go into it with her own Piper way 
Yeah, she can be like, I literally melted ice with the power of love. Like, I am unstoppable. And just, like, go straight for Gaia's heart, just, like, with her little dagger. Overconfidence. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, I did like that Piper is, it's pretty badass that she wakes up the machine and makes it real, even though it doesn't make any sense to me. No, it really doesn't. It doesn't. And I'm like, good for her. I yeah. don't really understand how that worked, but I'm not okay. going to dwell on it for too long. Yeah, like the mist is a thing that's confusing as well. So, and my last thought on this was did they think about how every monster that they're killing above ground might be heading straight for Percy and Annabeth? Oh, 100% no. So, Frank has just sent them a bunch of cows. Yeah, we're just yeah. really focused on these cows. <laughs> yeah, that I know. Frank murdered. Thousands of them, Aaron. It was a massacre, it was a genocide. I'm surprised they don't really run into a lot of the... I guess because Rick probably doesn't want to use the same monsters in above ground and below. Yeah. But if I was on the ship, I would be like, guys, we can't kill any. What if they <laughs> eat Percy and Annabeth? Well, but like Keone and her brothers are not going to end up in Tartarus because they're gods, True. right? So at least there's Oh, that. and isn't Gaia still like letting certain monsters out? So I guess they probably... Yeah. Like, once they reform, they'd immediately be sent out. Yeah. Or is it the doors of death makes it so they don't die? No, they do, but they think they're immediately... Let back out. Yeah, because what's I get his face? by that. Thanatos is mm-hmm. unchained, so they're not right. immediately coming back to life, but he can't keep them in right. Tartarus, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, these chapters were interesting. Hmm. It's a pretty good summary of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I'm still not Piper's biggest fan, but not necessarily because of her as a character, more so because of the way she's written and the lack of her as a character. Yeah. We only get a, like, I mean, same thing with Jason, right? You only get, like, snippets and what you do get is him thinking about other people's personalities or traits or how he is around them rather than his own storyline mm-hmm. and like again piper's story is like recycled everything yeah time. yeah so yeah jason's a little bit he's like how yeah. can i be a hero and i still feel bad about myself yeah yeah i like fan fiction like the fandom fan fiction i actually don't read much uh percy jackson fan fiction but i like fandom piper She's so much cooler the way people do her in like art and talk about her character. Oh yeah, for I think sure. That the way that her potential is way cooler than the way she's written in this series. I agree. And um I have heard better things of her in Chaz of a Yes. Ball, so I'm excited yeah. to get to that mm-hmm. in just one more book. Which is crazy. Weird. I know. Weird. All right, with that being said, we're not done yet. We still have (laughs) Percy to do. So, Percy, chapters 45 through 48. Percy, Annabeth, and Bob are running from Percy's number one fan. If you remember, his giant has been tracking him and just screaming Percy's name, and they are now (laughs) going through terrible, rocky terrain. The terrain is so terrible, in fact, that Percy can't focus on anything but keeping himself upright and making sure Annabeth is by his side. Which I was like, soon. Um, Percy is worried about Annabeth. He fears she's starting to give in to the despair and the hopelessness of it all. He keeps seeing her like wipe away tears and trying to hide it from him. 
um, which is crazy to think about because he's been trying to concentrate on just standing up straight and walking, but he's noticing her crying and Aww. he's thinking about her a lot, which is very sweet. He's also worried because, uh, if you remember last time on our last episode, Damison, the giant. Tartarus Shrek. Tartarus Shrek. <laughs> um, basically, Annabeth thought she put together the prophecy and that they needed Damison for it, and he turned her down. And she, Percy knows that Annabeth doesn't like it when her plans don't go the way she thinks they should, and he's worried that she is really down on herself right now. Percy keeps trying to think back to camp and to the hopeful future he had to talk to with Annabeth about, but everything feels like a fake dream that happened to somebody else, and he can't even really remember details of it. It feels like Tartarus is their real home, and that's going to be where they spend the rest of their lives, and they're just going to die there. That's just like a thought that keeps pounding on his head. Percy once again thinks back to Nico, and he wonders how a kid managed to survive all on his own. He's awed at Nico's strength. I also wanted to think about this, though, because Nico has a lot less enemies than Percy, so I don't think True. she's as actively hunted as Percy is. Percy is, like, he has so many enemies who yeah. are just, like, specifically hyperfixating on Percy and killing Percy. That's true. Whereas Nico has a lot of friends, I feel like. He, he doesn't think he does. No, but because he has his friends are not like the typical demigods. They're yeah, like ghosts. monsters and ghosts and ghouls. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, still, I mean, you'd be alone. And he's also like significantly younger than Percy. So, you know, it's yeah. true he was strong and probably stronger than Percy in some ways. But anyway. It's interesting that Percy refers to him as a kid, too, knowing what we just learned about Nico, how Nico has had a crush on Percy. Yeah. And Percy's still like I he is a kid, but he is, he's only like two years answer. younger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. If Percy was starting to be like, well Nico's kinda hot. And I'm like, remember when he was eleven and you were yeah. like fourteen? Like stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Ugh. Anyway. That's how I feel when I sometimes read Frank and Hazel. I know they changed his know. age randomly later. Yeah. But I'm always like, I don't know if that and then she's like a time child. So it's a <laughs> yeah, it makes confusing. it complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Bob tells them that since everything is feeling worse, it means they are getting close. But to what he won't say. Annabeth joins Percy and jokes that she wants to go somewhere other than Tartarus for their next date. Percy reveals that before he got amnesia, Hermes had sent him and Annabeth to Paris for dinner, and that was one of their last dates before he disappeared, which I thought was very sweet. Mm. Annabeth says she'd be fine with New Rome, which makes Percy so happy and so grateful to have her. He suddenly starts feeling that hope he thought he would never feel again, just starting in his chest. But as they head through the darkness, it suddenly clears and reveals a barren field of dust and stone. In the center, a woman was like scarily thin, kneeling and sobbing in the middle. She has tattered clothes and leathery green skin. Percy says the sound of her crying makes Percy lose all that hope. He just like gained it like two seconds ago. Mm-hmm. He's ever believed and he like now believes life is really, truly pointless. Bob says they have arrived and then Achilles. Achilles? Yeah. Yeah. I think Achilles. 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 If there's a different spelling, it's supposed to be with a C. But, mm. okay, anyway, <clears throat> I'll start that over. Bob says they've arrived and that Eccles can help. Eccles, it just sounds, sounds wrong, right? I feel like it's a cl- Eccles. 
Eccles. Okay, which I don't know. It might be like Eccles. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well, I'll say Eccles instead. Okay, Bob says that they've arrived and that Eccles can help. Alright, so chapter 46, Bob walks over to the woman and calls her name. When Eclipse rises, Percy's even further horrified. Her face is sunken and her eyes are just pouring tears. Dust is caked into her skin, her fingernails are torn, and she looks like a victim of famine. She has gray, stringy hair that's matted, and her cheeks are raked like she's been like scratching and clawing herself, and she's actively bleeding. She's holding a shield that has a small... <laughs> A smaller image of herself on it, <laughs> which I thought is just so funny. Mm-hmm. Annabeth recognizes it as Hercules's shield, and Atlas explains that she is the goddess of misery. Hercules had her painted on his shield, so his enemy would see her as the last thing before they died, which is extra as fuck, personally. Bob explains that Atlas controls the death mist, and she can hide the demigods from the giant. Eclis laughs at the idea and demands to know why she would do that. She's sure that the armies of Tartarus will kill the demigods. Annabeth draws her sword, which is made out of the bones of the dragon that um, the giant gave her, which Percy just like, he's so taken aback by how beautiful he's like, she looks like a hot Barbie, um, she woman warrior. And he's just like real horny for a second. I forget where they are. Oh, Percy. <laughs> Annabeth says that she doesn't believe a minor god like Atlas could even help them. She's like, I did not trudge all the way through Tartarus to deal with someone as annoying as you. She doesn't think that Atlas can even control the death mist, clearly baiting the goddess. It's her favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. The goddess is annoyed. She says the death mist is super metal and hardcore and is not for helping. <laughs> she can instead give them death. A peaceful one, too, instead, which is really nice of her to do because, you know, they're going to die really violently or else. It's a bargain. Annabeth says it actually will be really fun for Atlas to hide them in the death mist. If they fail, Atlas gets to haunt their souls for eternity and say, I told you so. If they succeed, it'd bring a lot of suffering and misery to the monsters of Tartarus who want to capture them. So, you know, she win-win for her. Unfortunately, to have the death mist cover them, though, they need to be the closest to the end of their life. Bob cannot go with them because he's not mortal, so the two agree to follow after Eclis. So chapter 47, they follow Eclis through calloused land. Percy describes it as thinking, like, if Tartarus is, you know, the body of Tartarus, they are at his foot and they start heading towards his toe. Um, Hmm. She brings them to the end. This is where night meets the void below Tartarus. This is the edge of the earliest darkness, and below is the realm of chaos. Just super grunge and super cool. So cool. Percy looks at Annabeth and notices her lips have turned blue. They are closer to nothingness than any mortal has ever faced. Smoke starts spilling out of Percy and Annabeth. They start looking blurry, and when he looks at Annabeth, she fully looks dead. Unlocking one of Percy's greatest fears. They look like ghouls, but they can now pass through Tartarus unseen. They're basically not really made out of uh, human material anymore. They're more like (laughs) ghosts. Unfortunately for them, Atlas has other plans and decides that she wants to kill them regardless. Percy draws Riptide and strikes, but he's not a ghost, and he doesn't have time to learn how to fight in his new form. Like, everything is moving differently. His weight is very different. He's got foggy brains. 
Meanwhile, Atlas's fingernails grow into talons, her jaw unhinges, and she grows some fangs, and she's ready to attack. So chapter 48, even though Percy can't really attack Atlas, she can hurt him, and she scratches her talons into his chest. Because at one point where Percy has like a, I would say a big brain moment, because he's like, well, if I have a backpack on me and it leaves my body, it shouldn't be ghost form anymore, because you should turn back into material things. But Mm. so he throws his backpack at her, but... That is not apparently how Tartarus works, so it just goes through her. Mm. Percy's movements are slow, and he's about to be eaten when Annabeth gets in Atlas's face. Annabeth is much better at moving than Percy. Percy thinks this is because Annabeth has had years of more combat training than Percy. Percy has mostly just been naturally gifted. He's never properly learned all the movements, and he's like, Annabeth probably took a course on this. (laughs) Yeah. On death mist walking. (laughs) Percy realizes as he watches corpse Annabeth dodge Atlas that she's buying him time and he needs to figure out a way to defeat the goddess, which is a role reversal because usually Percy's just attacking without thinking and Annabeth is formulating the plan. Percy starts throwing insults at her. He's like, you're so happy. You're the most cheerful person I've seen because at one point Atlas manages to get the best of Annabeth before Percy can think of anything else. Atlas takes these compliments or insults very poorly. And so while we go back to the regular role of while Percy is distracting her, Annabeth runs to the backpack that Percy has thrown and tries to rummage through it. Percy falls backwards and the goddess unleashes more poison flowers that trickle out poison sap and start flowing towards Percy. Percy is now surrounded by the poison, has nowhere to go. It's like an ocean, like a pool of it is coming towards him slowly. The air starts feeling suffocating and Annabeth has only found dragon jerky in the backpack, which is not very useful, but she (laughs) throws it at Atlas anyway. Percy falls to his knees and he starts thinking in despair. This poison is just like liquid, right? So if he could extract water from Jason's lungs, can't he control water and the poison as well? He thinks it's crazy, but Tartarus has its own weird rules anyway, so he decides to essentially bend the poison. Percy starts controlling the poison and sending it towards a horrified Atlas. She's surrounded and she has nowhere to go, so she starts coughing as the poison's like odor starts getting to her, and her eyes begin to water. And Percy decides to control that too. Anger is choking Percy in a way he's never felt before. He just wants to make the goddess suffer and hurt. Annabeth is inside, begging him to stop as the goddess starts gagging, but Percy's only focused on his own anger and all the pain and fear he's felt in Tartarus thus far. Finally, he looks at Annabeth and the anguish in her face and the familiarity of her eyes, and it makes him finally stop. He gets the poison to stop attacking the goddess and demands she leave. Atlas stumbles away, and Annabeth begs Percy to never do that again. She says some things aren't meant to be controlled in that way, and Percy somewhat agrees. He's like, yeah, 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 okay, whatever. I guess, if it upsets you. If it upsets you, if you say so, yeah. He realizes that even though he's still a bit angry, it's subsiding, and he's no longer feeling like jagged glass, but more smooth, like he got some of that energy out of him. Annabeth suggests that they get away from the cliff, since it's clear that Atlas was trying to sacrifice them to something. She had mentioned about feeding them to the night. And in that moment, in the most badass villain entrance, the temperature drops, the abyss below expands, and a form so vast and shadowy emerges. Percy feels like he's finally understanding what darkness really means. 
The darkness has a feminine voice because she's a girl boss. And she introduces herself as Night with a capital N. So cool. This, um, I didn't write a lot of notes on this because there's a lot going on. I just basically said I love the villains in Tartarus because they really understand the assignment. Like, they're the OG villains. Like, Mm -hmm. Night, the realm of chaos. Like, it's amazing. The, The monsters that the crew is facing above ground, nothing. No pizzazz. Tardis makes them interesting. It's like the trauma makes us interesting. Trauma (laughs) makes them spicy. Funny, yeah, exactly. The trauma makes them um, theatrical. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They're all just theater kids. I wrote something quite controversial. I was like, if it's not supposed to be controlled animus, then why can he do it? <laughs> and also, like, they're in, like, difficult circumstances. Are you pro-bloodbending? I'm... <laughs> no. But no. also, they're in Tartarus. Like, they're in literally the biggest monsters insides right now. Yeah. Can Percy bloodbend, do you think? I know that's he a big can debate. and bend. He 100% can blood bend. I agree. Yeah. I can at least control the the water inside of a human. I don't think it's like specifically yeah. blood, right? Like as Was it there water and blood? Yeah, yeah. But it's so, like yeah, I think he could. He could. So he cool. Could. So cool. I think uh, he also describes that when he unlocks this ability, he starts feeling like the power in him is just like unstoppable. And mm-hmm. I think if he tapped into it more, he could definitely be, like, Dark Percy would be a very formidable villain. If there wasn't this, like, yeah. whole plot of Annabeth and Percy being good and nuanced and all that mm. stuff, I think Percy becoming a villain after going through Tartarus would have been super interesting. Oh, that would have been Broken so me cool. as a child and as an adult. Oh, same. But it would have been super I think, like, interesting. An adult novel would do that. Oh, yeah. And it would like also an have the perspective of Percy. So you're seeing him be an unreliable narrator of ju- like justifying everything very well. I don't know. I oh. think it could be really interesting. I love when characters who are good and they like tap into their darkness, but they remain, you know, they do remain like even Percy, like they remain good. Yeah. But, like, they question if they are. I don't think Percy really questions it. No, he's just like, whatever. And I questions it because I think it's scarier to watch someone else change and do that. Mm -hmm. Whereas, Mm -hmm. like, if Annabeth was doing it, I'm sure she'd be focused on feeling the power instead. Yeah. It's interesting because Annabeth is someone who's like, you know, her whole fatal flaw is hubris. So if she Mm -hmm. was able to do something like blood bend or poison bend or whatever, she would be. She would be a cool villain because she would 100% yeah, she do would. it all the time. Yeah, she would be really cool. Yeah, and I feel like it bothers her more with Percy too because Percy's someone she thought she like fully understood every part of him, and this is some new part of him that I don't think he knew he had in him either. Yeah, and that scares her. Yeah, and also the fact that like Percy has been such a beacon of a moral compass of just being a good person that him being able to do that and not stopping even when she asked him to is really scary yeah mm-hmm. like she had to beg him to stop yeah mm-hmm. um my last note is basically i think misery is the og emo queen 
Just like mm. her looks and the fact that she keeps talking about misery and like everything's about the pain and the suffering. I was like, wow, you would have been so fun on Tumblr in 2012. Oh my gosh, I would have reblogged her stuff. Oh my god, for sure. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. Well, yeah, I don't really have much else to say because I think we should talk about the lightning bolt questions. Yes, and I know one of them gets into Dark Percy a little yes. more. But um, the first one is doesn't really have anything to do with these chapters, but I thought it was a fun question. So Allie on Instagram sent us the question, which one of the seven would you want to be mortal siblings with? And then mm. they specified not, like, regardless of their mortal parent, like, because obviously then we'd all choose, choose Percy to have Sally as our mom. Oh, But yeah, just, like, true. which one's personality would you want to be mortal siblings with? Ooh, I think it's a three-way tie between... Annabeth, Percy, and Nico. Because it'd be really nice mm. to have a super powerful sibling that you know if you get into a pinch with, like, they're gonna come and get you, and they're, like, really nice to you. Mm-hmm. Nico would be extra fun, because I would just, like, <laughs> ruin his life. as a, Like, if I was, like, a younger sibling to him or an older sibling to him, I think he deserves a little bit of light sibling banter. He definitely wants it. Like, that's why he keeps trying to bring Bianca back. But, um, yeah, I think that would also... The others, I feel like I would get really... Feel a bit competitive with. Like, Mm. Jason is, like, the... He'd be boring, first of all. And he'd be like, who am I? And I'm like, I don't know, dude. That's you. You have to do that. (laughs) Your problem. Piper can just become super hot whenever she wants that would like bruise my ego i also don't have sisters so i don't know how that would go but also I would the charm speak oh would I be a weapon so annoying during fights yeah yeah mm-hmm. i low-key want to date leo but also i think having leo <laughs> as a brother would be irritating he would be an incredibly annoying sibling yeah mm-hmm. frank is sweet but like yeah yeah hate having him as a brother but there's not like i don't feel like i know enough about frank and hazel is like too too intense there's too much too much horse girl energy i don't think i can handle that what about you i think so i think nico would be my top choice even though he's technically not in the seven because i feel like he's like a very good brother he really wants to be a good sibling he tried so hard to be a good sibling for bianca he is a good sibling for hazel like I think that he, and he's so powerful, like no Mm -hmm. one would mess with me because Mm -hmm. I have this scary emo little brother that controls death. Yeah, that'd That'd be be really fun. And I guess of the main seven, oh, I kind of feel like Hazel maybe because I I think she's like, would be like a sweet little sister. Because Piper, the charm speak, I don't want to have a... If a sibling could charm speak... Oh, God. That's warfare right there. Yeah. Um, Leo would annoy me. I would be way too competitive with Annabeth and Percy. I would feel competitive with Percy. Hmm. Because he's, like, the chosen one, and, like, I would want to be the chosen one. He would? <laughs> I oh, yeah, we talked I about this. Yeah, yeah, which is why I wouldn't be a chosen one. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Frank would be fine. I feel the same way. Jason would be fine, but I feel like he would never be around because he's always on quests. Yeah. I also don't want to have to 
teach him about people of color. Like, that's not my job. <laughs> He'd be like, how are you my sibling? No, I know. He'd be God. like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Am I forgetting someone? No? No, I don't think so. Everyone. I keep forgetting Nico's that's a good not question, part of the seven. Yeah, there's the go. Same. Sally. Yeah, it's a good one. Um... Another one that we got on Instagram, two people sent us like different versions of this question. So I just combined them. So do you like dark Percy or do you prefer the earlier Percy? And Julia and Ruby on Instagram both asked versions of this question. Oh, I saw this earlier and I was thinking about it because um, I feel like Percy accurately represents, I obviously project onto my favorite character, <laughs> but Percy accurately represents um like a younger version of me and an older version of me mm. where um, a younger version of me, I never used to get angry or really emotional or upset in like, I was dramatic <laughs> and you know, I like to enunciate emotionally. I never reacted outwardly about anything as a child. I just kind of rolled with the punches and dealt whatever I had, like with whatever I had with humor and mm-hmm. now I'm realizing as I've gotten older, there's a lot of like, I just like have this anger that I've never felt before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's very similar to the way like Percy has been dealing with the gods, constantly using him. He's constantly frustrated with it. When he was younger, he was a bit upset by it, but he just kind of rolled with the punches again because there was things to do. He had to defeat Kronos. It was like a very evidently evil guy, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas now older Percy is like constantly still dealt with the same hand. He's older now. He thought he'd be done and he's like outwardly angry. I do really like dark Percy. I think the Percy that I could become irritated with or not irritated, but upset to read, even though it makes him more human is when he's not kind to his friends. Mm -hmm. Like when he's a bit short. When he's like really mean to Leo when he first meets him, or he's kind of awkward around Nico and mean to Nico and stuff like that. That doesn't fit the characterization of him in either side, mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. I I think I do like I prefer earlier Percy in the sense of like I miss that younger self of any like you way you miss a younger person, like a I related to being younger. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think I have a correct answer for that one. What about you? Yeah, I feel like to me, they feel the same in that it just feels like it feels very consistent. I don't really know what like the fandom thinks of this, if people thinks it thinks it's out of character for Percy or not, but I feel like his the darkness he taps into in these chapters and in this Honestly, this Heroes of Olympus series is in line with PJO, and there were moments in PJO where he like tapped into that power, where he was like, oh, I'm really powerful, or where he would feel angry, but he didn't quite allow himself to feel it or to use his power while he was angry, and he does that more when he's older. And I feel like that darkness was in him, and it just, like, having lived hardships brought it out yeah you know and it's also the fact that he didn't get to really process like so many traumatic things happened and he thought like he'd be done and he's doing it again but this time it's worse and he's just 
feeling a lot of hopelessness and just a lot of destruction. And I feel that's pretty evident. Yeah, I think it's like, if I had to separate them, it's only because I would separate them as like 16-year-old Percy versus like 12-year-old Percy. So I feel an automatic affection towards 12-year-old Percy because yeah. he's a baby and he's just yes. happy to be involved and he's just trying to get his mom back. And then like 16-year-old Percy is just devastated about everything that's ever happened to him, which I really, really also like hold in my heart too. Yeah. And it's like that version of Percy I think is still there and you know, the 16-year-old Percy, where and the version of Percy that he becomes is there. I don't know. We're like all, we live in all of our moments. <laughs> yes, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like, I think that was a correct progression, because if he continued to be like the jokester and mm -hmm. all of that stuff and just kind of like a bit of an airhead like he's an idiot but he's also a bit smarter now and he's because yes. he's a bit smarter he's angrier and i think that's the correct correlation like when you become more aware of the world you're in and how unjust it is you become angrier as you're older for sure and yeah. he's probably like working through that and you know hopefully we'll find a way to channel that i don't know i don't know i, don't know. We should, like, therapy? Ask him. I, don't I know. know i was gonna we say should have really? him on the podcast i know ask him how he's feeling we're speculating <laughs> so much we should just ask dear percy <laughs> what do you mean he's not real <laughs> ruining my life i did see that um people were sharing this on instagram that walker scoville who's playing percy in the show said something in an interview he was asked like what he's what'll be different or something about this Percy versus the movie Percy that most people have seen and he said something about this one like being able to tap into a lot of Percy's anger which I really liked because Ooh. clearly he's we know he's like a big fan of the books and has read all of them mm -hmm. um and I like I'm excited to see how they are showing that in the first one because I think Percy's always been very hot-headed so I'm interested to see what that looks like in baby Percy yeah, I guess he's been able to channel like it by just, like, attacking monsters. Yeah, the Minotaur. Yeah. In that first one, yeah. And here he, like, isn't, he, I mean, these monsters in Tartarus are harder to attack, so he has to tap into more power, and that mm -hmm. makes him angry. He's also older, and he has mm -hmm. more power, and he's, yeah, makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to see what they do with it. I know they've mm -hmm. only, like, finished filming, like, two episodes. I know. So slow. I get it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's for the best that it's slow. I know. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of wish I didn't get updates on it at all. I know. Because I feel like it makes it feel like it's taking so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know. Like, prefer to kind of, like, forget about it a little bit and suddenly be, like, the entire season is ready for me to stream. Oh. There's suddenly a trailer and you're like, what? I know. Exactly. That's like my favorite thing. But mm -hmm. all right, so um, this email I got actually like early yesterday, mm -hmm. and it's just like a shout out to all the emails we got. So many in the last month. A lot of you guys are new listeners, and I really appreciate them. We will get to them. We're gonna <laughs> do a bonus episode after this book because there's so many questions, and I think a lot of them are like very thought provoking, and so we can mm -hmm. talk about them properly. But this one kind of stuck in my brain it's from Yvette and it said basically how does Percy get riptide back into pen form oh and I feel insane I'm like is there a button do we remember reading about it does he have does to he... just like poke the top of it 
Isn't he to cut his finger Stab a little bit every little. single time? Yeah. He's taking blood to check his blood I sugar. I think he just has to recap it. Like, it's always like he recapped Riptide, but I don't really know what that... How do you put a... I, how do you put a cap on a sword? And it's like a, like a, like a really flimsy plastic cap because it's like a, um, a ballpoint pen, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not like a nice pen that you, like a fountain pen that you screw or has like a metal cap. I don't imagine that at least. 100% he has bit the, yeah. um, the yeah. side little part of it oh, off. Oh yeah, twisted yeah. it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just you look so stupid trying to put the cat back on. When I love the idea of a button. If it was like a clicky pen, that would be yeah. Way that would I would be click it all the time though by accident and just I like stab someone in class. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, he didn't know he could write, so I don't think he was ever using it in class. True, that's true. But I would just click it in my pocket and like cut my own <laughs> pants off. But. <laughs> <laughs> very violent end yeah um i like to think that there's a button i think that would yeah, be the I best like design but knowing knowing this book i think he just puts the cap on and he looks yeah. like an idiot he's just like hold on gotta get the cap on the sword <laughs> just balances very delicately at the end and it finally turns back into a pen you gotta get it on just right mm-hmm it's like Losing so much time trying to make it back into a pen form when he's running. <laughs> it's funny. I love it. Well, next time we're going to go through chapters 49 through 56, which we get to meet Calypso. It's some uh-huh. of my favorite chapters. And we get to see Annabeth and how she's feeling about Percy after seeing him go a bit dark. Indeed. If you are interested in supporting us, you can find us on Patreon, link in the bio, as well as the link to send an audio message. Our social media is at CampHalfPod, and our email is CampHalfPod at gmail.com. Send in your lightning bolt questions or thoughts or musings. Um, We will do a bonus round. And don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to us. Bye-bye. Nice.